we're in the middle of a series that we've entitled God with us. And we've looked at the last uh, three weeks. We've looked at different scenarios in life because in different situations, we experience God's presence in different ways. And we've looked at, at God with us in the valleys and God with us in the storm. And we've looked at these things. And today I'm going to do something completely different. And honestly, I've never, never even attempted to, to do a sermon quite like this, but we'll just see how it goes. And I'll tell you now, I told, told Miss Willie before service that uh, this may be the shortest sermon I preach all year. So that, I guess that's my Christmas gift to you. Um, but, uh, but I want to talk today about something that is a cornerstone belief for those who are Jesus followers. And I, I want to talk about what theologians call the incarnation. The incarnation. What do we mean when we talk about the incarnation? I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 1. Some very powerful verses of scripture that will introduce the idea of the incarnation. And then some things we want to talk about. But Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. We're going to read that. And then uh, before we do that. Actually let's have a word of prayer. Before we read that scripture, Lord, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, you know how weak I feel today. You know, <coughs> Lord, how, uh, uh, how much we need you. <coughs> and Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name, that you would today, oh God, that you would use me, that you would use every word that is spoken. Somehow, God, I pray that your power would, would come upon uh, us, Lord, and help us to hear what you're saying to us, God, that this would be a day of encouragement in your presence. And we give you thanks and we believe you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph uh, her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, everybody say it out loud with me, which means God with us. God with us. Today I want to talk to you about the presence of God through the birth of the son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The incarnation. But what is the incarnation? And in order to understand or in order to clearly define this in a way that everybody would understand, I went to the source and fount of all wisdom and all knowledge. I went to Wikipedia, which, by the way, that's a joke, because if you ever do research, Wikipedia is the one site that if you quote, you will get failed automatically because Wikipedia uh, can be can be modified by any person on the internet, so it's not a reliable source. But I wanted to, I wanted to see what Wikipedia said about it, so, uh, so I want to read to you uh, uh, this to you, and, and this will clarify the big theological idea, what is the incarnation? Wikipedia defines it like this. In Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the pre-existent divine logos, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God, the Son, 
and the Son of the Father, taking on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary, the Theotokos, the doctrine of the incarnation that entail, then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. Two natures join in hypostatic union. Doesn't that clear it up for everybody? <laughs> Listen, see, just in case you're wondering, I have a master's degree and I've studied. I've been in ministry for 37 years and I don't know a third of what they're talking about there uh, with the stuff that the, they're saying on there. But I, I want to make it simple as we look at this, as simple as I can, because this is such an important cornerstone belief for those of us who are followers of Christ. We need to know and understand the incarnation as much as possible. What is the incarnation? As, sim as simply as I can put it, the incarnation is when God became flesh in the person of his son, Jesus. John's gospel in, in John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The incarnation is when God the Son entered into our world in person, in the flesh of Jesus Christ, who, 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 who was uh, 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 all man, he was all God, all at the same time. He is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. And, and, and we hear that, but that still may be a little foggy because it's a difficult, difficult concept to understand. How can it be 100% God and 100% man? Because that seems to add up to 200%. And we just don't know if we can't figure out how in the world this, this works. We don't understand the, what happened behind the scenes, any of this. And so I, I, I began to think about how, how would I explain this, this idea of the incarnation to a little child? And one of the things that you do with children is you, you tell a story, right? That's one of the greatest ways of teaching to be able to tell a story. So what I want to do today, and this is the part that I've never done, I want you to join me and use your sanctified imagination, okay? Um, and, and I want to do, tell you, share this imaginary story about what would happen if God the Father had a conversation with Jesus, his son, before Jesus came to earth. And, and the, the Father was explaining to his son what, what going to earth and fulfilling the mission would actually cost him. Now, I want to be really, really, really clear on this because I don't want anybody accusing me of being a heretic or anything. This conversation did not actually happen. That's not what I'm claiming. That's not what this is about. But everything I'm going to talk about is consistent with what the Bible says actually happened in the life of Jesus. I'm just going to try to add a little bit of creative flair to it. And this will probably be the one I've, I've been in ministry for 30, over 37 years now. And I know that's shocking because some of you say, but you look so young. You, uh, you hurt me when you laugh. Um, but but I've, I've been in ministry for 37 years and I've never done a message like this. And this is probably the last time I'll do a message like this. Uh, but uh, I, I want to talk about this. Imagine what it would be like if God the Father said, Jesus, here's, what's, here's what it's going to cost you. And then the Father lovingly explained to Jesus what his mission would actually entail. Now, I understand that that's already bad theology because Jesus, anything the Father knows, Jesus knows. I understand that. But to help us put it in a framework that we can understand, let's examine it like this. How would that conversation go? And I can't help but, th but think that maybe it would go something like this. Son, 
This is your mission, should you choose to accept it, because he watched Mission Impossible too. Um, I'm going to send you to earth to fulfill my perfect will, to be a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus, I want you to know I've chosen the woman who's going to be your mother. You're going to love her. She's, she's a teenage girl who is completely devoted to our will. Her name is Mary. She loves us so much. She is pure in every way you can imagine. Not like all the other girls who play spin the bottle and truth the dare and stuff like that. She is pure. She's a virgin. And she's going to be an amazing mom. I've also chosen for you your earthly dad. Now, I'm your heavenly father. We understand that. But, but you're going to have an earthly father or more like a stepdad. His name is Joseph. And he's a, he is a good, a kind, and a compassionate man. In fact, when he will have every right to put her away and divorce her and to embarrass her, instead he's going to make a decision to treat her with kindness even though he doesn't have to. He's a good man, Jesus. Now, Jesus, when you do go to earth... One thing you're going to have to remember, you have to realize, if you're going to be born of a virgin, you're going to have to be born of a virgin. In other words, you're going to have to spend nine months in Mary's womb before she pushes you out into the cruel, cold world. And maybe Jesus, for the first time, speaks up for, and, and he says, nine months, nine months in a womb, couldn't we maybe deliver me by a stork or something and you know and God laughs because he knows Jesus is laughing he says just just to be real clear why Jesus why you have to be born of a virgin because because you're you're not going to have an earthly father who helps you to be conceived therefore you will not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father but you're still born of a woman therefore you're going to be all man but because I'm your real father you're also going to be all divine you're human and you're divine, you're man and you're God. That's why it has to be done this way. Jesus said, of course, I, I understand that. And the father says, now, now when you're born, you, you need to understand this. You're, you're going to be born in a very, very common place. Most people would expect you to be born in a palace. I mean, after all, you're the son of God. You're the king of the universe. You surely, if you're going to be born, you're going to be born in the finest palace in the, in the world. But instead, I've selected for you a very nice cave next to some farm animals. They're going to lay you in a manger. That's where the animals eat from. They're going to lay you in that. Jesus smiles. He says, oh, yeah, I get that. We're going to let everybody know that I haven't come just for the rich and the powerful. But I've come for the common. I've come for the ordinary. God says, exactly, exactly, Jesus. Now, now when you're born, Jesus, I, you, you need to know that from day number one, you need to realize that every demon in all of creation, every demon in hell is going to hate you. And for your entire life, they're going to be coming after you to try to destroy you. In fact, the first time that you're going to see this is, is before you're even walking, before you even know what's going on. King Herod is going to issue a command that all of the little boys under the age of two in, in Bethlehem are going to be murdered because he's trying to find you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to get you killed. And your family is going to have to go on the run. You're going to have to, to, to escape to Egypt. And if you don't get out of there, you're going to be in danger. And maybe Jesus is taking notes and he writes down, note to self, remember to secure a fast donkey, you know. And God goes on and he says, Jesus 
You're going to have supernatural power. All the power in heaven is going to be available to you on earth. You're going to have supernatural power. He said, he said you're going to have that, but, but remember this. Whenever your mom and dad try to give you a bath, and if you don't want to take a bath, you have the power to just part the water and sit on a dry tub. Jesus, just take the bath. And if, if your dad tries to feed you broccoli, if you want, you could change it into chocolate cake or something like that if you want. But Jesus, just eat the broccoli. When you go to school, you're going to have perfect attendance. You'll make straight A's. The teachers will all love you. The students now, they'll be jealous of you. And then when you grow up, I've chosen for you to be a carpenter just like your earthly dad. And you will work with your hands creating things because that's who we are. We are creators. People will have no idea that the very wood from which you form tables will be the same wood that they will one day use to form the cross on which you'll die. Now, Jesus, you're not going to make a lot of money, but you're going to really touch a lot of people. You'll teach people about the kingdom of God and what that means, and you'll show them how things really are at the deepest level of the universe. You're going to show them how things are supposed to be because they've got a lot of stuff turned upside down. They've got everything backwards, and they've, they've left me out of it and turned it into religion, and they've done all these things, and you're going to show them the way it's supposed to be. You're going to show them what I really meant when I said these things in the Word, and you're going to, you're going to touch people, and their lives are going to be changed by your Word and by your touch and 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 all these these things are going to happen but the people in your own hometown are not going to respect you they're not going to show you any honor so jesus just use your power wisely never use your power selfishly you're going to be able to speak and change things in fact your first miracle jesus is going to be changing water into wine at a wedding jesus Maybe looks a little confused, which that's obviously bad theology, but we're just for our story. He looks a little confused and said, wait, 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 wait. My first miracle is going to be a party trick? And God smiles and said, yes. And Jesus said, wait, why are we changing water into wine? And God says, well, son, we're just doing that to mess with the Baptist. <laughs> for years, they're going to debate, was it real wine or non-alcoholic wine? We're just going to have a little fun with them. He said, no, Jesus, you're going to do some really incredible miracles you're going to open blind eyes you're going to heal deaf ears you're going to you're even going to raise the dead and you know what they're still going to hate you they're going to call you a liar they're going to call you a lunatic they're going to they're going to say that you're you're out of your mind some will even say that you're drunk. In fact, they're going to go so far as some will say that you're demon-possessed and that the power you're using to do all these things is really demonic power. And when that happens, Jesus, just keep loving them. Just keep loving them. Show them who we are. Show them my love. What I want you to do while you're there, Jesus, is reach out and befriend those who are prostitutes. The, touch those who are lepers. Love those that, that, are, that the religion re rejects. Care for those who are the outcasts of society. Embrace all those people whom nobody loves and nobody wants to be around. But, but here's the thing, Jesus. Here's what you've got to understand. The irony of it all is the more you love, the more they will hate you. But just keep on loving. That's why you're, gonna, you're, you're going, remember, to show them 
who I am, to show them my heart, to show them my love. And, and remember this, at every turn, as I said earlier, the devil is going to attack at every turn. And in fact, one time after you've been fasting and seeking me for 40 days, the devil will attack. And when he does, what I want you to do is I want you to fight back with the living word of God. Jesus, whenever the devil comes and he says to you, hey, you're hungry, why don't you turn these stones into bread? When he comes and tempts you to use your power in a selfish way, here's what, what verse are you going to use? And Jesus says, I know, I know, I already got this figured out. I'll tell the devil that it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God says, oh, good, good, Jesus, that's good. What if, though, what if he comes and says, prove who you really are. Prove that you're the son of God. Throw yourself off a mountain just to test and see if the angels will protect you. And Jesus, oh, that's, that's easy. I'll just tell the devil, it's written, thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to test. God smiles and he says, oh, that's good, son. That's good, son. But, but what if Satan throws the big one at you? And he says, I'll give you all the riches and all the power of the world, but I'll, but I'll, give, it, I'll give you a short. I know you're going to get there anyway, Jesus, but I'll give you a shortcut to it. All you have to do is bow down and worship me, and I'll give you power over the, over the world. And Jesus says, well, Father, I'll tell you, I'll look right at him, and I'll say, get away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God. And serve him alone. God says, well done. That's exactly right, Jesus. Just, just keep standing strong. And Jesus, I want you to know, you're going to have some friends, some very good friends. In fact, 12 men in which you will invest and you will love and they will be your disciples and, and, and you're going to give them your, your very best and, and, and they're going to love you back and they're going to be loyal to you until they're not. Peter, he's one of those. He's, he's going to be the boldest. He's, he's going to be the loudest of all of them. And he's going to look at you one day and he'll say, uh, say I'm always going to be there for you, Jesus. If, if everyone else denies you, I'll never deny you. And then in front of a little eight-year-old girl, he's going to act like he never knew you were, who you were, Jesus. And, and then he'll not only do that once, but he'll do that a second time. He'll do that a third time because he's too afraid to stand by you. I'm telling you, Jesus, that one's going to hurt. When you're serving what will be later known as the Lord's Supper, you're going to break bread and you're going to hand out the wine. And that will represent what will happen to your body. And then the blood will, it will represent the blood that's going to be spilled. And you're actually going to share that with one of your closest, a man named Judas. Hours after that, that very same man will sell you out for a few pieces of silver. He'll hand you over to your enemies and, and he's going to betray you. But he's not just going to betray you. He's going to betray you with a kiss, kiss on the cheek. When that happens, Jesus, just keep loving. Keep loving. God looks at him and he says, son, I want you to, to pay careful attention because that's all going to be bad. But it's going to be only going to get worse. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you're, you're going to see ahead what, what is coming to you. You're going to know. You're going to be so overwhelmed that you're going to ask me. You're going to beg me. You're going to say, Father, is there any other way? And I'm going to tell you then what I'm already telling you now. You know there's not any other way. You have to go to the cross. 
In fact, even while you're there, you're going to quote from the Psalms when you, when you say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's going to be a way of saying, this was foretold centuries ago. This is how it had to be. And you'll look up at me with all the love and obedience in your heart and you'll say, in that moment, you'll say, Father, your will be done, not mine. Because of the pain that you know is coming, you will literally sweat, sweat blood from your brow in agony. And then they're going to arrest you and they're going to beat you and they're gonna, you're going to hurt like no man has hurt before. You, you will not even be recognizable as a human being. They'll, they will whip you again and again and again and again and again and again on your bare back until you are ripped open and you're crying out in agony. And then they'll throw you down on an instrument of torture known as the cross and stretch out your right arm and drive a stake through your wrist and you will scream in agony because you're a man and you will feel every bit of that pain. And when you think that nothing could hurt any more than that, then they're going to take your other arm and they'll do the same thing again. And when you aren't sure you can survive the agony, they're going to take your feet and drive a stake through them. They're going to strip you naked, Jesus, just to humiliate you. And they're going to hang you on a cross where the very people that you're trying to love will come by and mock you and spit on your face and say, Hail, hail, King of the Jews, you saved other people, why don't you save yourself? And the very people, Jesus, that we created will mock the Creator. Because of who you are, you will look up to heaven and say, Father, please have mercy on them, please forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Press on, Jesus. Now, at any moment, you could call legions of angels and I'll send them to wipe them all out, but don't do that, Jesus. Keep showing them my love. Press on to the finish. And when you do complete everything that was prophesied that you would do, then in that moment, declare that you finished it. Say it out loud, in fact, in that moment. Say, it is finished. And then surrender your spirit. Press on, Jesus. I'll be, be with you every step of the way. He said, then you're going to be buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, some women will come to check on the tomb and the stone won't be in its proper place. And, and neither will you, son, because you'll be raised from the dead. We will fulfill the perfect and final sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins because we love them so much. Are, are you up for that, son? Are you willing to do that? Jesus Weighs it all. He's taking it in. He counts the cost. Takes a deep breath. And says, absolutely. I'm in. Then the Holy Spirit speaks up and Jesus, he says, Jesus, tell him about me. Tell him I'll be with him. He says, of course I will. Of course I will. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I'll look at them and I'll tell them clearly. I'll say, if you love me then, and keep my commandments, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you. And he'll be with you forever. The spirit of truth, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said, I, I need to remind them that even when I go away, the spirit will come and dwell within them. And he said, before I leave the earth, I'm going to tell them what to do. Before I ascend into heaven, I'll tell them. I'll say, go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then I'm going to tell them this, Father. I'm going to tell them I, will be, I am with you always till the very end of the age because that's who we are. I will be the Word made flesh. I am Emmanuel, God with them. We won't leave them. We won't forsake them. Even when they hate us, we'll continue loving them. Even when they turn away, we'll continue to pursue them. And, and God says, Jesus, are you up for this? And Jesus says, yes, yes, I'm up for this. What's your mission, Jesus? Let's be really clear on this. My mission is to seek and to save those who, that are lost. My mission is to rescue those that are dead in their sins. I'm going to bring them life and bring that life, make sure that life is more abundant. Good, Jesus. Now, now who are you going for? And he said, I'm not going for the righteous. I'm going for the sinners. I'm not going for those that are already healthy. I'm going for the sick. And why are you going, Jesus? Because they are like sheep without a shepherd. They need a shepherd, and I am the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. I've got to go, Father. I've got to go. I can't not go. We just can't just shout our love from heaven. We've got to show our love on earth. I'll go, and I'll show them how good you are, Father. I'll go, and I'll show them how much you love them. I'll show them that, that love isn't just something that you do, Father, but it's who you are. It's your essence. It's your being. Emmanuel. God with us. Love is not something he does. It is who he is. Matthew 1. Again, we started there. Here it again with this in context. She will give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which, what does that mean? Which means God with us. Hear me today, friend. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you. His spirit dwells inside of you. When you are lost, he is with you as your guide. When you feel all alone, he is with you as your companion. When you're hurting and you're broken inside, he is with you as your comforter. When you're afraid, he is with you as your peace. When you are sick, when your body is breaking down, he is with you as your healer. When you are weak, he is with you as, as your strength. When you are dead, when you're lost in your sins, he is with you as your savior. He is Emmanuel who came to save people from their sins. That's the story of the good news that God didn't just shout his love from heaven, but he came to earth and he's willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice so that we could know just how good he is, so that we could know how kind he is, so that we could know what love really is. Who is he? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Pray together with me. Father, today I pray that your spirit would draw people close to you as you draw close to them. 
And as you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you're reflecting in prayer now, listen, I know that there are some of you that are going through a more difficult season in your life right now. You're going through something that's hard and you recognize right now especially that you really need the presence of God. That's really not the right way because He promised that He's there. What you really need is you need to be able to recognize the presence of God. I'd love to pray for you in just a moment, but if that's you today, would you just lift up your hand right, right before the Lord just to say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going through some stuff and I need to experience the presence of God and, and I need prayer today. If that's you, just raise your hand up. Yes, all over the place. You can put them right back down. I'm also going to speak to another group, those of you who maybe you're not going through anything significant, but, but even when you're not walking through a valley, even when things are good, guess what? I still need His presence every moment of every day. And those of you who would say, Pastor, I, I didn't raise my hand the first time because I'm not really going through anything significant right now, but, but I'm, I'm with you. I really need the presence of God. I want to know that He is with me. I want to honor Him in all that I do. And I want to be, become more and more aware of His very real presence around me because I just tend to leave Him out of the picture. I tend to forget that He's there. I tend to do things my way. I tend to take things in, in, in my hands and try to manipulate situations. And just I just need to become more aware that He is with me. Every moment of every day, if that's you, would you lift your hand up right now? My hand's up. That's what I want. Father, I thank you so much for the, these people, whether they're in need or, or whether they're living through a season of blessing. That God, we declare in this place, we need your presence. The fact that you are God with us is not just a nice little luxury, but God, it is an absolute necessity for us, especially in the times in which we live. We find, Lord God, that there's so much going on that, that, that is just heartbreaking. And, and Lord God, personally, in some of us, there, there's so, such difficult times, things that are just seem crushing to our spirits. And there have been moments, God, I know that there are people in this room that felt like they were about to give up and they wanted to give up, but God, somehow you've just helped them to hang on. But Lord, in that moment, we need, we need to know your presence. I pray, God, especially for those that are hurting right now, whether they're in this building or whether they're watching on the live stream, or whether they watch it later on, Lord God, those that are hurting, I ask God that you would be present in the way that only you can, that they would sense your nearness, that your, your spirit would begin to surround them and they would begin to sense your presence and become aware that you are with them. Even though things are bad, even though things are hurtful, God, I pray that you would offer a supernatural peace, God, that goes way beyond our human ability to even understand it or to explain it. That God, that you would guard our hearts and our minds and our souls in Christ Jesus. God, I pray for those who are desperate, those who feel alone, those who are afraid, those who are facing financial stress, those that are fighting physical battles or in sickness or whatever it is, God, that we may be dealing with. God, I, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would re reveal your presence to us. 
that we would see, Lord God, whether that's through small, some small thing that you do or it's just an awakening in our spirit, Lord, help us to become more aware of your presence because, God, in your presence, we find hope, we find healing, we find forgiveness, we find grace, we find truth, and we find a heavenly peace beyond anything this world can offer us. So God, I'm just asking you today, show us your goodness. As we head into this Christmas week, show us your goodness. Thank you, God, that you are always with us. You promised to never leave us. And even through the hard times, God, I pray, especially in those times, we would be aware of the presence of our good shepherd. Even when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, that we would fear no evil because you are with us. I thank you for what, you're, what you've done, what you're going to do. I thank you that you're going to see your people through. And we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.